Alright guys, welcome in to today's episode of the Locked On SEC Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Blake Lovell, and uh, let's jump right in to Wednesday night's action in the SEC. There were three games on the slate, and uh, the one we thought was going to sort of be the main event uh, was just that, and we'll get to that one here in a bit. But we start with uh, the first game of the evening, which was Georgia and South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina dominated this game uh, from start to finish, and this was another case of what we talked about on you know Wednesday's episode. We talked about South Carolina being a team to really keep your eye on here because the Gamecocks are playing really well, and this was a situation where if they could go get this win at Georgia, uh, it was going to be huge because it would keep them right on pace in terms of not just a, a first-round bye in the SEC tournament, but it would also put them in a position to where they're still in this SEC regular season title race. And and that's not me just trying to, you know, hype up a team. I mean, they're sitting here now at seven and four in SEC play. They are in essentially a tie for fourth with Florida. Florida holds the tiebreaker right now. But at seven and four in league play, uh, the Gamecocks are a team that that may not be going anywhere, and it's based on how they've been playing here as of late. I mean, they've won seven of nine at this point. They get this seventy five fifty nine win at Georgia, and quite frankly, in a game that really didn't feel that close. I mean, South Carolina started this game off twenty seven to five. They led twenty seven to five with six minutes left in the first half. So to hold Georgia with Anthony Edwards on the floor, five points with six minutes left in the first half, is just a pretty incredible accomplishment. Um, Now, Georgia, you know, made its rallies here and there, but it was never to a point where you thought the Bulldogs were going to come back and win this game. And that's kind of how South Carolina's played here recently, is that they just keep sort of putting themselves in position uh, where, you know, they have their last three wins have pretty much been dominant victories. Now, you look at the opponents, and that's something people may point out and say, if you look at the last three games they've won, they had the 14-point loss at Ole Miss in there. Uh, but the last three games they've won against Missouri, Texas A&M, and Georgia – They've won all three of those games by 16 points or more. Uh, now, you know, those three teams are not projected NCAA tournament teams. And then if you go back, you know, they had the win at Arkansas in late January. That was a nice win. And then they blew out Vanderbilt at home uh, sort of before, I think, the Commodores started to turn the corner there. Uh, but any way you slice it, this is still a situation where South Carolina is putting itself at least in the conversation. Now, when it comes to the NCAA tournament conversation, as we said, um, they've got some work to do when it when it comes to quality wins, and they've been in this spot before. Uh, but overall, this is a team that you need to keep your eye on because now they get some opportunities to pick up the quality wins that they really need. Uh, they get Tennessee next on Saturday, then they're at Mississippi State next Wednesday before they return back home to play LSU uh, the following Saturday. So these are three big games, and at this point we start to you know circle a lot of games on the schedule and say for specific teams, you know it could be their most important game of the season, and this could be the case for South Carolina when they look at this next, you know, the next game now for the next several games is going to be the most important game for South Carolina because if they can pick up these wins, 
their resume starts to look better. They start to move up in the net. Uh, you know, their their numbers just start to get a big boost because they're not getting a huge boost just from beating, you know, some of the, the lower tier teams in the SEC uh, that don't, you know, don't have the numbers to, to be able to, to boost South Carolina forward. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, where South Carolina goes from here, still in that spot to potentially get another first round bye in the SEC tournament. Uh, but just like last season, you know, they're going to need a situation where they have to find a lot of quality wins if they, if they want to get into the NCAA tournament. And it's the same sort of thing, whereas if they just avoid, you know, those two bad losses they had in non-conference play to Boston University and Stetson, you know, South Carolina's in, the, they're probably in right now. And I think that's something where, and that's just, you know, we'd have to go back and break down all the numbers and compare it to other teams and all that. But it's just a fact, I mean, that they wouldn't have two bad losses on their resume and knowing, you know, they'd have a win over Kentucky, the win against Arkansas, they beat Virginia, um, it would look pretty good right now, and it would be a different discussion. But uh, that's the what-if game, and you can only play that uh, for so long once you get to, to this point in the season. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this is a, a big stretch upcoming for the Gamecocks. But right now, what an impressive, like you said, impressive game at Georgia. And speaking of Georgia, I know Georgia fans – are a little frustrated, and we talked about that frustration uh, on Wednesday's show as well. When you look at where the Bulldogs are at right now, I mean, really, the the way this game started just illustrates that point. To only have five points uh, with six minutes left in the first half, you go 14 minutes, and again, Anthony Edwards, you've got other guys that are capable scorers. I mean, this team just scored 102 points against Alabama. Um, it's it's frustrating, and there's no other way to put it. Uh, and you know, we we didn't know if Georgia was going to be a team that would necessarily you know be an NCAA tournament lock or anything. Even with Anthony Edwards coming into the season, they weren't projected to be a team that was just going to be a lock to make the tournament. But I do think fans expected a little more than than what they've gotten to this point because this team just, as we're saying, um, they they've had uh, you know a tough stretch of games. They opened up SEC play with a really tough stretch, but since then, you know they they just haven't been able to put it all together. They've come close on several occasions, uh, but now you know they're losing games like this at home. And it's just a situation where, you know, I'm not sure, you know, the rest of the season what we're going to get from Georgia. I know they have a potential number one pick in the NBA draft. But aside from that, you know, they're facing the same issues. They had 19 turnovers in this game. They were 3 of 24 from three-point range. And they're just an inexperienced team. And all three of those things are sort of the, the same things that, that were problems last season. And Tom Crean said, I can remember him talking about it on SEC Media Day, you know, thought they were going to be a better three-point shooting team. Uh, taking care of the ball was a big focus, but these are things that they are still struggling with. And as long as they continue to do that, uh, finding wins the rest of the season, not going to be easy to do. And they still don't have a really you know easy schedule the rest of the way uh, because four of their last seven are on the road. Um, so this Georgia team, you know, not not what they thought that they would be at this point. Um, but I guess, you know, it is. It's a spot where they've just got to figure some things out the rest of the way. With Anthony Edwards on the floor, maybe they're able to find a little momentum somewhere along the line, but the schedule is not going to do them any favors, uh, so we'll see. It's going to be interesting uh, here for the Bulldogs because I know there's a frustrated fan base there uh, based on on how they've played uh, to this point. But uh, that was a big win for South Carolina. Another team in the SEC uh, got a big win in 
once again, one of the uh, wildest games in the SEC this season, and it seems like this team just keeps playing them. And, of course, we're talking about Auburn and Alabama. It's the game that uh, you know we thought was going to be a lot of fun, rivalry game, uh, huge game at Auburn Arena, and it was one that was just uh, another thriller for Bruce Pearl's team, which has uh, become the norm here these days. We'll, we'll get into that. Coming up uh, right here on the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, we jump into the game that everyone is talking about, and that is Auburn and Alabama. Auburn gets the 95-91 win in overtime. Um, This was, once again, it's just another game for Auburn. Uh, Goes to overtime, their third straight overtime game, and they've won all three of them. Their fourth overtime game in their last five games, and they've won all four of those. Um, so at this point, this is just a situation where, and I keep bringing this up, um, I know that there are people out there, and, and trust me, I hear about it on Twitter, I look at everything, it's just, I get it. There are still people who look at this Auburn team and try to find every possible way to say that they are not you know, the real deal, this is a team that can't go far in March because they're winning too many close games, which is just absurd to me, um, you know, and it's it all goes back to the luck thing. We look at the Ken Palm luck stat, and I agree. Look, luck plays a role, and anyone would tell you that. I mean, it's in sports. There, there are going to be some times where you just get lucky, and it goes your way, but this team is 22-2, and two, and it's not just about luck at that point. Yes, they've won a lot of overtime games, but they've won a lot of overtime games. They haven't lost them, and and I think that's the thing we have to remember here. The name of the game is to win, and Auburn is just finding ways to win, no matter how they're doing it. You don't, you know, if you want to win the national championship in college basketball, they don't go back and say, well, you know, you really, you know, you struggled here down the stretch, and you only won this game by a point, or you played three straight overtime games in the NCAA tournament, and while you won all three of them, it just wasn't impressive enough, so we're not going to give you, you know, the national championship. That's just not how it works. If you win games, that's what matters, and I think for Auburn, they're just finding ways to win, and as they continue to do this, it's just building more confidence, and and that's what we saw again in a game like this where, I'll tell you, I thought Alabama outplayed Auburn down the stretch in regulation. I thought Alabama got all the loose balls. They got some big offensive rebounds. Um, I thought that Alabama was going to win the game because they were outplaying Auburn, and they seemed to be you know, quicker to the spot on some of those big plays down the stretch that we thought were going to be the ones that, that gave the Tide you know, an opportunity to really win this game. Um, but Auburn you know, came out as the aggressor in overtime. Alabama just didn't hit some of the shots that they made in regulation. Uh, but overall, and I know, the moral victory game, especially in a rivalry game, is not something people want to play. I know Alabama fans don't want to talk about moral victories against Auburn. That's just not what you want to do. Uh, I get it. Rivalries in sports, they are what they are. This is Alabama-Auburn. Uh, you know, we're not, we're not going to just sit here and talk about uh, moral victories. And, and I don't think Nate Oates would do the same thing, uh, knowing that, that they were in a good opportunity, in a good spot uh, to win this game based on how they played. Uh, but I still think there are so many positives you can take away of this for Alabama because we went into this game thinking, for starters, that Herbert Jones wasn't going to play because of his injury. It seemed like he wasn't going to be back until next week. 
And so he gets out there, you know, guts it out. He's playing with a cast. And, and to me, that's just, it's really impressive because, you know, everyone's talking about how do you see this game playing out? And my whole thing was, well, Herbert Jones isn't going to play. And so I think that's going to make it a situation where Auburn's going to be able to do a lot of things that they want to do, uh, both on offense, rebounding, all sorts of situations because of how good Herbert Jones is. But he gets out there and plays and, you know, he didn't play a ton of minutes, but while he was out there, he always affects the game. And he did that here, uh, you know, with his defense and just the, the things that he can do on the floor that no one else on Alabama's roster can do. Um, so him just playing through that injury, and, I, and I'm not someone who's going to sit here and say, hey, you know, he should go out and do this, you know, every single game or anything. That That's that's their choice. And he decided to play through it. And I think you got to give the kid credit for that uh, because he wanted to play. He knew how big this game was. And, yeah, he got out there and played. And, you know, he's someone that, that they're just better when he's on the floor. And we saw that uh, in this game. I mean, and you look at the elsewhere. I mean, Kyra Lewis, first triple-double, you know, since 1996 in the program. I think it's only the second one in program history. Um, so, you just and it wasn't through, you know, he just he didn't score a lot. He didn't have to because Jaden Shackelford – just completely made clutch shot after clutch shot for the Tide. And and that was another thing that I think you put right up there in terms of most impressive takeaways from this game. You have a freshman like Jaden Shackelford knowing that you're playing in one of the toughest environments in the country now at Auburn Arena. And to go out and make shot after shot after shot. And it wasn't just that you know he was making random shots here or there. He was making these big shots when Alabama really needed him most. And I think to have a freshman doing that, uh, that is, is, that's a big positive. I don't care if you lost, you know, you lose the game. I get it. You're upset. But that's a huge positive if you're an Alabama fan, to have a freshman going out, making those kind of shots, and to do it in the manner that he did. Uh, just just really impressive. And, you know, you look at the numbers, certainly, uh, you know, setting the, the record for three-pointers. Alabama goes 22 of 59 from three-point range. Um, just uh, just remarkable. And I know, you know, it's a, it's a spot where, hey, if you don't hit 22 three-pointers, you know, how does the game play out? I don't know how the game plays out. I mean, it's it's something, but, but you did. You know, you did hit 22 three-pointers. And, uh, you know, you have to make shots, and Alabama made shots. Um, that was just a, a remarkable feat to be able to do that uh, but that's that's how they play you know and I, I think you see a lot of people out there saying well they shouldn't you know do this or they shouldn't do that and I know they're you know NATO is probably looking at some of those shots and maybe hoping that they would have would have tried to drive the ball a little bit on some of those and not necessarily take you know 59 three-pointers necessarily uh, I, he probably didn't love every single one of them <laughs> but uh, still you know that they made shots and the way Alabama plays on offense just up and down that high-tempo sort of play, um, that's how they play. And there's probably going to be some bad shots to come along with that sometimes. Uh, but just making shots kept them in this game and put them in a spot where they had a chance to win. I know rebounding was sort of an issue here. Uh, Alabama didn't particularly rebound it well. And, you know, I don't know that the expectation was that they were going to rebound it well in a game like this, knowing that, that Austin Wiley, who was just dominant here, uh, I think he finished with 18 points, 17 rebounds. He had five blocks. Uh, you know, Anthony McLemore, Isaac Okoro, just it's not easy, you know, probably to rebound against a team like, like Auburn because they do have all that athleticism. They have the long uh, athletic type of guys in there and, and their ability to rebound. It was. That was one of the areas – 
where Alabama struggled a bit here, but I don't know that that was a big surprise. Um, and overall, I mean, it's it was one where you know LSU is going to be a big game for Alabama here. They need more quality wins. We talked about that uh, on the previous episode here on the podcast, and uh, they they needed this one and they needed the one against LSU. But if they can split it. They're still going to be, uh, I think, in a decent enough spot to to go into the SEC tournament, having a chance to make moves, uh, be right there on the bubble again. I know that's not what they want, uh, but it's an opportunity, and I think this game gives you something to build off of because they did play so well. And uh, I tell you, it's that was a heck of a game, and, and that's one I think where you know there are positive takeaways from Alabama's perspective. On the flip side, you know. Look at Bruce Pearl's team here, and and we mention it in terms of, you know, you beat a team that just set the SEC record for three-pointers. Um, you know, you beat a team that made that many threes, and yet you still find a way to win the game. I, they These guys just know how to win, and I said it. You know, they just sort of refuse to lose right now. Um, and for everyone that wants to sort of find, pick apart all the potential weaknesses of this Auburn team, say that they haven't played a strong schedule, say that they've won too many close games, on and on and on. Here's what I know. They've won 34 of their last 37 games as a college basketball program, and that is really, really good. If you go back to last season, they won 12 of 13 to end the season. They're 22-3 and three now. Um, what, what else do you say to that? I mean, the name of the game is to win, and they are finding ways to win as a program and it has made them into one of the one of the elite college basketball programs in the country now. Um, they got to a Final Four. They're 22-2 and two this season. Uh, that's where they are. There aren't a lot of programs in college basketball that are in that same spot. So that's where the Tigers are right now. Moving forward, the big thing to monitor is going to be the injury status of Isaac Okoro, and that's something where we don't know that. You know, as I'm recording this, we don't know the update. There could be an update from Bruce Pearl on Thursday uh, in terms of where things are at with him. He left the game with the hamstring injury. Uh, Bruce Pearl said that he could be out uh, for a bit and that it may just be a pull. Uh, but, you know, I know Auburn fans, based on what happened last season with Chumo Kiki, uh, they are trying to to stay you know, optimistic here because that kid has just been fantastic. And I, and I kept looking at And when you watch this game – the one thing I kept going back to was watching Isaac Okoro and Jaden Shackelford and thinking these two kids are freshmen and they are playing. I mean, they are stepping up huge in a game like this uh, as freshmen. And that was so impressive to me to watch both of those guys do what they did in this game. But really, they've been doing it all season long. Uh, and for Okoro especially, you see how far he's come along as a player. The This is sort of why I think – you know, people ask me sometimes, you know, Bruce Pearl, how is he able to sort of get this, you know, out of guys? And how is he able to develop players like this sometimes? I think it's just, you know, it's one of the, the best traits that he has is that guys want to play for Bruce Pearl. And when they get there, they know their game is going to develop to a point to where, hey, they're going to have a chance to to be 
a pro. They're going to have a chance to, to make strides, you know, in the NBA. And we've seen that. Look at the guys who played the role last year. I mean, Jared Harper now, uh, Bryce Brown, you know, Chumo Kiki. I know he's sitting out this year. But um, these are all guys that are going to have, you know, NBA futures probably. And you look at someone like Isaac Okoro, his draft stock has gone up since the start of this season. Um, and, and he's just gotten better. And I think you see that with Bruce Pearl's teams. His guys just seem to always get better, uh, and and I think that's something that that is sort of an underrated aspect in terms of no matter what their star rating is, you know, no matter what the expectations are for them when they come into the program, it just seems like his roster gets better, and I think that's something that has led uh, to all the success for Auburn. So hopefully, nothing too serious there for Isaac Coro, and uh, he's able to get back on the court uh, there soon for the Tigers. But as I mentioned, uh, that was uh, quite a game uh, there at Auburn Arena. But there was another SEC game uh, to wrap things up uh, on Wednesday night as Florida was facing a must-win situation at Texas A&M, and the Gators uh, managed to put themselves in a really nice spot uh, with what could have been one of their best performances of the season. And uh, we'll get into that coming up here next on the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, and uh, let's wrap it up with uh, the Florida Gators uh, going to Texas A&M and you know, I think getting one of their their better wins of the season, and no, it's not just because you know Texas A and M they're they're sort of a middle of the road team in the SEC at this point, but I think it was one of their better wins of the season in terms of the Gators because of how they have been playing as of late, and because they were coming off of a sixty eight fifty one loss at Ole Miss, and that to me is the, the the biggest part of this game for the Gators. It was their response um, because, I mean, we talked about it. After they lost that game at Ole Miss, we were sitting there saying, okay, now Florida's a team that is squarely on the bubble. Um, You know, they're potentially in a last four in, first four out situation. And now it's a matter of, okay, you have to go win this game at Texas A&M because if you don't, and the NCAA tournament started today, which luckily, you know, it doesn't, Florida would not be in. And, you know, if they lost this game against Texas A&M, they would be out of the tournament. Um, so to go win the way that they did, like I said, I mean, Texas A&M, and we, we mentioned this in the preview, that they are a very tough team to score against. Their offense hasn't been good, but they've been really tough to score against on defense on a consistent basis. So for Florida to come out and even to score 78 points here against Texas A&M, I thought it was pretty impressive because – it wasn't just that Florida was able to score. I just think Florida, all five guys on the floor, they just looked more in sync than I've seen Florida look in a bit. Um, and and I, that's certainly a, a positive step for Mike White's team because they they haven't always looked in sync. And I think that's something, too, when you have an experience, you know, they've gotten acclimated to bringing in a guy like Kerry Blackshear and, and even some of the freshman guys who, who have played key roles you know, building that chemistry is not always easy. And there have been times this year where I think this team has just looked out of sync, whether it's from a a communication standpoint, you just don't have guys on the same page. They had that in this game. And I thought it was one of their more complete games they played this season. uh, When you just looked at, at how things unfolded here for the Gators, because, you know, again, Buzz Williams teams, they're going to be aggressive. They're going to be physical. And, and knowing how they play defense, I think for Florida, 
to play like they played here. Um, now I'm starting to get back to that point, and I don't want to go down this slippery slope here of, of thinking that I can trust Florida again. Uh, but, you know, after a win like this and just how they played, you know, some people are going to just look at the box score here and say, okay, well, Florida should have won at Texas A&M. But if you watched how they played in this game and you sort of saw – how active they were. You know, coaches use that all the time. Commentators use that about a team being active. Uh, Florida was really active here. I mean, they were, you know, they had the energy. They had the sort of aggression that they needed because they knew this was a big game. And I think to have that response, to have that mindset, uh, that is something you can lean on and say, okay, well, now maybe Florida is someone that's starting to get back into that spot uh, where we can trust them again. I don't want to get there just yet because I don't. I still don't completely trust this Florida team uh, because of their up and down nature and, you know, because they are, you know, one game ago they lost by uh, 17 at Ole Miss. But um, this is still a team, though, that has all the talent. This is a team that, that has the things you need to win games in March, uh, they just have to do it consistently. And, you know, having Andrew Nembhard and Noah Locke combined for 44 points in this game, uh, just an efficient performance. And those two guys, I mean, they have to be able to, to have, you know, scoring games like that. And, you know, their guard play, I know Kerry Blackshear's there, but th- their guard play is still going to define how far this Florida team can go. When they have all their guards on the same page, when these guys are playing well off of each other, Florida can be a really dangerous team, and we saw that in this game against the Aggies. Um, and and there was just a response itself. Like I said, I think that responding the way they did, knowing where they were at uh, after that loss to Ole Miss, myself and many others included are talking about you know where where things are with the Gators. Are they really going to miss the NCAA tournament? And to respond this way, now you're sitting in you know fourth place in the SEC. You're still right there, as we mentioned with South Carolina, not out of the SEC title race because you're only a couple games back here uh, with the, with the trio of Kentucky, Auburn, LSU, all at nine and two. Um, and, and you know you're only a couple games back, and anything can happen down the stretch in SEC play. We've seen that this season. So the Gators, 15 and nine overall, 17 and four in SEC play. And I think this is a team where they have a big game coming up on Saturday against Vanderbilt. We've talked about how well Vanderbilt has played as of late. If the Gators can win that one, then they get Arkansas, Kentucky, LSU, Tennessee in a four-game stretch after that. Um, those are the games that, that could sort of you know define how much better their resume could get uh, in terms of if they're able to go 2-2, two and two, let's say 3-1 and one, in that scenario, then we're starting to see Florida move off the bubble and you know be an NCAA tournament team then it's just a matter of okay can they turn it into a big run you know let's say like a team like Auburn did last year where Auburn got hot went to the SEC tournament won the SEC tournament and we all we all know kind of where that led uh, for the Tigers so uh, we'll see uh, how things unfold there for the Gators but a big win there and uh, one that they absolutely uh, had to have but uh, that'll wrap up uh, this episode of the Locked On SEC podcast Uh, as I've said I really appreciate the support from you guys thus far we had a great great audience uh, for the first episode and hopefully uh, you guys are subscribed now and will continue uh, to follow along here on what's going to be a really really fun uh, show i think for sec fans of multiple sports and uh, look forward to diving into uh, you know sec football some sec baseball other things like that here as we move along but with march right around the corner uh, you guys are locked into to sec basketball because it's just been 
one of the most entertaining conferences in the country this season and uh, should continue to be that way as we uh, go into March Madness. So uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Find it on any podcast app you use. Search for Locked on SEC. Follow me on Twitter at TheBlakeLevel, and uh, I'll talk to you guys next time here on the Locked on SEC podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.